You're listening to XVGM Radio.
Welcome to XVGM Radio, where the bits keep coming. I'm Justin. And I'm Mike. And this is episode 24, Puzzle Games. That's right. We are talking about puzzle games of all sorts. We've got an amazing lineup of tracks, starting with that song that we came in on. What was that little ditty, Justin? Well, that smooth slice of butter was... <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't keep this up. Um, so the track that we just came in on was from an unlikely source. It was a Tetris game that came out on the CDI in 1991. Right. The track was called Level Zero, and it was composed by Jim Andron. That's our first CDI game that it, we've played from. It is, and it's probably yeah. the last. No. <laughs> no, we're an equal opportunity player here. Honestly, it needs to be worth playing Goodness. and i will say that the tracks on this game are worth playing absolutely i was really tempted to not pick a track from this <laughs> and just instead like hold it and then just do an entire episode on this soundtrack because you literally could oh yeah there's yeah. so many That's amazing fair. tracks there there's some tracks that are a little bit more like 90s-esque yeah but there's a lot of these kind of slow jam tracks kind of like a smooth 90s R&B type stuff that, you, that you're listening to, or like Weather Channel Jazz. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, Jim put together a lot of really relaxing tracks mm. for this game. Uh, like, th- this game, from what I understand, it's not one of the better games on the CDI, which I don't know how you screw up uh, a Tetris game, but the it basically had two things going for it, right? So one was, obviously, if you couldn't tell, the music. Yeah. The, the entire soundtrack is very... Boner jams. Words. Yeah, bon- bo- boner jams? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's very boner jams, sure. Yeah. No, so the, the music is it's, it's very relaxing. It's, it's very well put together. Mm. Uh, and then the other thing it had going for it was the backgrounds. So in like your classic Tetris games, you've just got your your main screen, which is kind of a rectangle, and then off to either side, it's like a black void with like your score or maybe the next piece coming up. This one outside of the frame of the actual pieces, whatever you would call that area where everything falls, is like shots of nature, like a, a relaxing waterfall mm. or like mountains. It's and super stuff. chill. Yeah, it's, it's totally chill. Yeah, yeah, I'm down. I love <laughs> chill games like this. It's just so relaxing and so like, ah. Yeah. It's, we- this track is like drinking a nice cold glass of ice water, you know, just like. That's fair. Ah, yeah. So relaxing. I'm okay with that. With puzzle games, I mean, we're going to be hearing from all different kinds of music. A lot of it is kind of more laid back stuff. There's also some more bombastic stuff that we're going to listen to. Yeah, yeah. There's some more groovy stuff that we're going to be <laughs> playing. It, it, we've picked a, quite a bit of range from all different types of systems and generations of video game music. Yeah. So, Jim Andron, I've never heard of him before. No? But apparently he's done a bunch of stuff. Yeah, he's done a handful of things. So he started off doing original music well, it says original music by Jim Andron for Who Framed Roger Rabbit That's in on 1988. The, like the Amiga, the Commodore 64. Yeah, so I'm, I'm guessing so at, at first I thought uh, original music by meant he did the music from the movie, but then I realized that that's definitely not true. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the, bu- the the original music in the game mm. that is not in, in the movie. It's, I think it's, it's the a original totally different game. Like the Amiga, yeah. oh, yeah, Apple II, yeah. Atari ST, and Commodore version? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, it's not like the NES game. Y- correct. Right, right, It's, right. it's a totally different game It's altogether. not like the Game Boy game either, which was done by Capcom. Right. So he then followed it up with this Tetris game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then let's just pick a couple other ones. Hanna-Barbera's Cartoon Carnival in 1993 did the music okay. on. 
the Game of Life in 1998. That's he did music composition and PC and PS One. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I, I, my brother was a huge fan of that game. Yeah, I think I PC. put it on Windows. Actually, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, and then Pac-Man Fever in 2002, as well as Namco Museum in 2002, which okay. uh, I have a feeling that's a collection of games, and he likely did some of the music yeah. in the games that are on that collection. Yeah, probably got hired on as a like a hired hand for the uh, soundtrack, but that's pretty cool. Yeah, he's actually in a couple of the Namco Museum games, so I'm guessing he did a lot of work for Namco. Namco yeah. I mean, started off with, with Buena Vista mm-hmm. in... Or no, developed Silent Software. So it was uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit was published by Buena Vista, right? But developed by Silent, right? Right. So yeah, that was before like Disney had their own like development yes, studios. Yes. Like they just made like Buena Vista games or whatever, right? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Good point. Indeed. So let's move into our next track, which is your pick. What do you got for us? So we're gonna hear a track from a game called Zoop. <laughs> Z O O P. Yep. Not soup. No, not soup. Zoop. Zoop. Uh, this came out on the SNES and the Genesis in 1995. We're actually going to be hearing the Genesis version of the track called Scatten Bones. Scan Bones. By Bob Scumachi. That was Zoop on the Genesis. Zoop! Yeah, it also came out on the SNES. Both of those came out in 1995. The track was Scatten Bones, and it was composed by Bob Scumachi, uh, as well as, I forgot to mention, Mark Davis, and music design by Brian Schmidt. Instant clarification there. Instantaneous. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I get why they called it Scatten Bones, <laughs> but I guess the melody... Is scatting? Yeah, yeah. That, that but that bass, that bass line is all jazz. Oh yes, it you is. You know what that I mean? Walking bass. Yeah, like I, I guess I don't know. It it felt like the main melody there was like kind of a mix of scatting, like scatting and um, blues. You know? Yeah. Because it was like like that type of stuff. Yeah. That that's more of like a blues era. You know, that's where, true. Like, I mean, j- j- jazz built on blues. Yeah, that's so, true. Uh, there, there's a there's a lot of blues in jazz to begin with. Mm. And I mean, then uh, scatting kind of came out of that whole thing. Right. So it all sort of flows into one another. Yeah. If you look at the, the musical history of it, but 
Uh, at the same time, there there's a lot of other tracks uh, on this soundtrack mm. that have names that don't necessarily match the right. the actual absolutely what you're hearing. So uh, I I can I can kind of see it both ways on this one. So why Zoop, and more importantly, why the Genesis version? Because I know you're not really <laughs> a, a Genesis guy. Are you? Are we? Is this the beginning of the expansion of <laughs> Justin's sound? A little bit. Palette? A little bit. Yeah. Um, so I'll I'll say two things about the the Genesis thing first. Okay. Uh, so for one. I'm trying to placate the Genesis fans that that seem to think that I hate the Genesis or that I have this unbridled, furious, right. seething I don't hatred. Think, I, don't no, think I, I really don't. Really come out and said like Justin hates the Genesis. No, no, they're too afraid because they, 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 they think that I'm just gonna like you know get all mean and angry. They I mean, know you'll not... beat them up and steal their lunch, lunch money. money. Right, yeah. right, of course. But I mean that, that that's just not me. So I play ground of three. <laughs> So for one, I'm trying to I'm trying to throw some more Genesis stuff out there. I, I am trying to broaden my my Genesis horizons, I guess, because it's not that I don't like the Genesis music. It's just that a lot of the Genesis music that I heard in throughout my my personal history hasn't been handled by people who know how to handle the sound chip. It's twarmy. It is. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I often dance around that word because I forget how it's pronounced. Yeah. <laughs> but twarmy. Uh, yeah. You know, somebody used it recently. That was like really in one of the VGM podcast <laughs> groups or whatever, and I was like, ah, somebody said Twarmpy. That's, nice. That's like our thing. I, I sometimes accidentally say Thwarmpy, which yeah. it, I think it's a combination of uh, like Thwomps from right. Mario. And, right, right. But so there, there's that whole side of it. There, there's the fact that I'm, I'm trying to find more Genesis music that I like, and mm-hmm. I did like this yeah. uh, this soundtrack. To, to just finish it up, I listened to both the Genesis and the SNES version, mm-hmm. and I really did prefer the Genesis version. Okay. The, the okay. SNES version, it's not bad, but I, I don't think it sounds as polished as this sounds. Hmm. Interesting. Um, and I think that's just because of the sampling. You're a changed man, Justin. Uh, maybe. We'll see. 20, 20, 23 episodes, and I don't even know you anymore. <laughs> when did you become a 80-year-old smoker. Ah, don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, and then as far as why Zoop, because um, the name is funny. <laughs> really? That's the the whole reason? Yeah, well, mostly. Uh, yeah. I, I played the game a handful of times, mm. uh, mostly on emulators. I never owned this when I was younger. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's a weird game. It's not it's not actually a game that I'm particularly fond of. I don't, yeah. I don't like the gameplay itself. It's a little weird. This is one of those games where like I would see it in game stores and I would just be like, Zoop! All right, see you later, and then like not even bother <laughs> picking it up. So I'm, I think I maybe played it once at like a friend's house or something like that. Yeah, it's a it's a weird game. Yeah, it um, is. I remember like I I got into it because when I was in like high school and college and I was doing a lot of emulating and mm-hmm. stuff, I would download you know the, the packs of every game for whatever system. Sure. And then I'd see Zoop and I, I'd go, what the heck is this? And I'd play it for five minutes and get bored of it and yeah. whatever. And then a few years later, the same thing would happen. I'm like, oh, Zoop, what's this? <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, what is it, James Wood in that episode of Family? Ooh, piece of candy. It's Ooh, like, piece of candy. It's like me and Final Fantasy VIII. <laughs> uh, uh, that's a story we've told too many times. Right. So, uh, <laughs> just to kind of briefly explain what Zoop is, it's your it's the game board is like all dots, yep. isn't it? And then like you and it's get it's, these it's only like in a cross pattern, right? So it, right. It's straight up and down and left and right. There's no like the 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 the, the diagonal quadrants don't do anything. Right, right, right. But you get like these shapes, like circles and triangles and squares or whatever. And you like the only thing I remember is like if you go to like I think it's like the edge of the board, 
like the piece will like kind of morph out like to the other section of the board or something like that. I don't something know. Something like that. It's yeah. like you, you you're you're a triangle in the center of the board and if, mm. if I remember correctly you need to like um, shoot yourself up to as the right. shapes are coming out and encroaching oh, on you. You need right. to like shoot yourself out to them and when you hit a piece, whatever shape that first piece is, don't you like become you'll... that piece? I can't oh, remember. Oh, I don't know. I thought I thought it was what whatever shape you hit, you'll you'll clear all of those shapes in a row. So oh, like, okay. if there's like a circle and then three triangles, yeah. uh, you, you'll hit the circle and you'll get rid of the circle and you'll go back and then you have to do it again to get the three triangles. Okay. Some something like that. So is it kind of like Space Invaders, where like the pieces are like coming yeah. towards you, but you're in the center of, them, of the screen, right? So they're, they're but coming if anybody, at you. if any of them touch you, then you lose basically. Right. If, if, right. Well, if any of them, if if any of them encroach, like you're the square in the very center, yeah. of your space, and I think if they if they encroach on that. Space, Space, that then space. you lose. Oh, so you okay, need to like okay. attack them and keep them That's out. That's pretty neat. I mean, yeah, you it, know, it's a cool idea, but it's yeah. just it's really, really weird. Like uh, having played it without having bought the game and mm. having a manual, I could have looked it up online. But I mean, we're talking about the early 2000s. Right, so right, right. It was it was really confusing, and like most of the, the the issues I had is I'd play it and I'd be really confused, and then I'd be like, ah, whatever. Whatever. Right, right, right. Yeah, I feel like this is one of those games that I'd prefer to own on the Genesis just for the soundtrack alone. The, the, the I mean, soundtrack I, is pretty fun. I remember playing it on the Super NES and not liking the soundtrack, so I would probably prefer to get... I mean, Zoop's a pretty dirt cheap game. You can get it pretty much anywhere <laughs> yeah. for like five bucks. Or whatever, yeah, so. yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's worth it. So the composers, there's three of them, and well, I well, guess I'll do the easiest one. Mark Davis is the second composer, I guess you could say, yeah. and he's only credited for Zoop. Yep, and then Bob Scumachi only has two credits, and that is Dragon's Revenge in 1993 and Zoop in 1995. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we have that other guy I mentioned, Brian Schmidt, who is credited for music design. He has a lot more stuff in here, starting out doing music composition uncredited on NARC in 1988. Mm -hmm. He did a lot of work for EA. Yeah, yeah I was going to say uh, Nickelodeon Guts in 1994. Um, Madden NFL 95 in Ooh. 1994. Harley's Humongous Adventure in 93. That's a really great game. That's very underrated for the Super NES. Oh, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like one of those like little big games where you're like, you're super tiny and you're going through a world that's oh, super big. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really fun. That's neat. Yeah. And it's got a pretty good soundtrack, too, if I recall. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So his last game, it looks like, was Mutant Football League. In 2017. That's the new one yeah, that yeah. just came out. He was labeled as the audio director. So that's really cool that they brought him back for that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, because he did Mutant Football, uh, Mutant League Football in 1993. Because yeah. before that, his last game, before Mutant Football League, was Aaron versus Ruth Battle of the Big Bats in 97. Yeah. So 20 years. He took 20 years off. Yeah, basically. That's, that's pretty neat. Yeah, it's really nice. Cool. All right, we're going to move into a PS1 game. This is Puzzle Star Sweep. And again, came out in the PlayStation 1 in 97. This track is labeled Satora and Mint, and it's by Mitsuhiro Arasaka.
thanks for joining us back from that ending credit theme from a from a random 90s anime (laughs) (laughs) i was thinking the same thing right no that was puzzle star sweep which came out on the ps1 in 97 and the track was sitora and mint and it's by mitsuhiro arasaka this game is part of the star sweep i guess or sorry the puzzle league series but this one's a little bit more like tetris Um, It's kind of like a Japanese spinoff of Tetris, if you will, or a Japanese take on Tetris. It was developed by Axela, who I've never heard of before, never heard of that developer. And it came out on the PlayStation and the Game Boy in 97. I've not checked out the Game Boy version. Apparently it also came out in Japanese arcades too. Same year, no clue. But this is the PlayStation version specifically that we played from. This, if you looked at the at the cover art for this, or if you're watching the YouTube version of this episode, then you would have seen the cover art. A lot of these games that came out had these, like, really budget-conscious <laughs> art, where the art on the cover art was not great, and it was super generic, it looked super generic, and the name of the game was super generic. In the U.S., this game was called Puzzle Star Sweep, but it was just called Star Sweep in Japan. And it was actually published by Namco in Japan, and it was published by A1 Games in the U.S. So obviously a unknown publisher taking a chance on a game that never came out in the States. Yeah. And they wanted to bring it to the States back in the day. There's a lot of games that are that are like this, where, you know, they came out in the PlayStation 1 because the PlayStation 1 was so hot. You know, everyone had a oh, PS1. Yeah, yeah. So it kind of was one of those consoles that you could risk putting out a game that nobody has heard of because there were so many people that could potentially buy it that, you know, you may get somebody to buy this game. So everything that I've read about this game, like, people love this game if they've heard of it. If you haven't heard of it, you're like, what is that? What? (laughs) The point of the game is you're playing as one random anime-inspired character. I don't know. They're just, like, anime, you know, (laughs) cut out. They're very cookie-cutter looking. Yeah, yeah. They're, you know, kind of cutesy. They're kind of not, not exactly chibi style, but not more like exaggerated anime style, I guess you could say. Yeah. And you're going around moving around an island in the one-player story mode uh, that has you... It put, pits you against different, like, opponents, uh, computer-generated opponents. And, again, they're all, like, you know, just cutesy anime-type character-type things. The game obviously gets harder as you go along. The way that you play this game is... Very similar to Tetris, the blocks are always rising, and the blocks are based on different colors. So you have red, yellow, and blue. And so what you would do is each piece either has a star on one end, or the other end, or both ends. Hmm. So, or, or none, if I recall. So what you would do is you have to line up the stars with the colors, and if the two match up, then the pieces go away. And the whole point of doing this is, the, the goal is to do like chains, Oh, kind of yeah. like Super Puzzle Fighter uh, 2 Turbo, where you would like chain like gems, like it would crack one giant gem, and then they would fall, and then that would make a giant gem, and then that would crack that gem. It's kind of like this, but it's thin blocks. Yeah, yeah. So the blocks fall, and then the other blocks fall, and then those chain together. <laughs> so it's kind of like you're trying to do a chain reaction sort of win. Yeah, like a lot of the like the the gem games that are the gem puzzle games that are yep. out now, or like Poyo. Yeah, Pop, like Bejeweled. Like and yep. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. So, and there'll be, like, these cloud-looking things that will, like, stack up, 
and those are pretty much what almost always kill you, is you'll get these, like, uh, clouds that stack up and you can't get rid of them unless, like, you... Um, do, like, a special yeah, combo or something. Yeah, I think, I think you gotta just, like, get the pieces that have the stars on them on the clouds and then they disappear, uh, if okay. I recall. I haven't really played this game. I only watched, like, some gameplay footage, so kind of, like, learned as I went yeah. uh, as far as how to play the game. But it looks really cool. And I love this soundtrack. I mean, it's just so happy and bubbly. And, <laughs> and definitely, as I said before, it sounds like uh, the music that you'd hear in, like, the credits yeah, of, like, like, an anime. anime yeah. From, like, the 90s specifically, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I was listening to this one earlier today. And um, the the link that you had shared that, that had the, the cover art looked really, really cutesy. Like, it, it looked like an anime that mm-hmm. I might have seen at some point in the 90s yeah. and, and just like super went, generic yeah right, yeah right, right yeah but it was it, it was cutesy yeah yeah so the composer on this one mitsuhiro arasaka worked on paka paka passion in 99 uh they're credited as camel latin artist other than that they only did puzzle star sweep in 97 so nice short and sweet it looks like we're getting a call uh, yeah uh, yeah, Janine, you want to pass that over? And let's see who we've got. Uh, this is XVGM Radio. Who is this? Uh, Don't you speak Hubert? I mean, I speak a lot of things, <laughs> but... Uh, you took your, your yeah, course in Wreck-It Ralph University, right? I, I, I did, mm. and uh, I just have to say... Hubert, I appreciate the call, but we have to let you know this is a family show. Please keep the language appropriate. Maybe you can, I mean, do you think you can respond to him at all? Yeah, I mean, my Hubertese is a little rusty, but... Uh, I heard right. something about pants coming off in that one. No, no, no that's it's that's just the dialect. Uh, um, he actually wants to hear uh, a classic track from his NES title. Oh, very so, very easy to get those two confused. Yeah, no, I mean it's <laughs> it's it's just a, a little uh, instead of eh. Ah, uh, so gotcha, gotcha. That's that's the inflection. Well, thanks for the call, Cubert. We could definitely play that. So we'll play a track off of Cubert, which came out on the NES in 1989. The track is Finale Congratulation, and we think it's by David Thiel, who did the arcade version as well. Yes.
Welcome back. That was Qbert, which came out on the NES in 1989. The track was called Finale Congratulation, and we believe it was composed by David Thiel, who also did the arcade OST. Right. I gotta admit, I really haven't played that much Qbert. No? No. I did just, uh, it's not a bad game. I haven't played much Qbert lately. Uh, I, I played it. <laughs> On the NES when I was a kid, it was mm. uh, it was actually a game that a friend of mine owned. Mm. So when when we'd hang out at his house, uh, we would play that along with like Excite Bike and some other stuff. Right. So uh, I have some fond memories. I don't remember it well enough, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Well, I, I feel like I don't remember it well enough because yeah. aside from the fact that it was this weird, neat little isometric thing, that was always the thing that confused me about yeah. that game is the movement. Like, <laughs> so it's a. I don't know, like, I guess you could say, like, a pyramid yes. set up in a way. Because, yes. like, the way that the blocks are, you can move either left down or right, right down. down. Mm-hmm. And that was it, pretty yeah. much. That was the only way. Or I guess you could say upright and... No, I don't think you could jump up. I think you could only jump down. No, I thought you could jump up. Can you? Yeah. That's... Like I'm I said, it's, positive it's, been, you could it's jump. been a while. <laughs> I, I'm almost positive you could jump only diagonals. Like, Correct. Correct. Down, like, down into the right down into the left, up into the right, or up into the left. Those are the only ways that you can move. It, it's That's kind right. of similar yeah, to yeah. Pac-Man, where like you're just, it, it's kind of like a puzzle kind of style game where you're like trying to change the colors of the of the layout of the level. Yeah, the, yeah. the goal is to jump on every block once. Mm. So like at the beginning, jumping on every cube once is enough to, to get from kind of like stage a puzzle one platform to stage two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But as, as you get on, um, some cubes or each cube uh, needs to be hit twice to get the target color mm. basically just like you were saying like you need to change the color right. of the cubes uh and they all need to be the same color in order mm-hmm. for you to to move on right and right. in doing so there are a number of enemies that like will snakes yeah like uh, i think his name is coily yeah coily coily is a uh like, like a purple snake thing mm-hmm. um then there's ug and wrong way which are purple creatures that hop along the sides mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's Slick and Sam. They uh, the, they're green things that uh, that that move down the pyramid and revert cube colors that you've touched. So those guys were always a big pain. Yeah, I remember so. those. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a fun little game. This track in particular kind of brought me back to like that more classic NES st- a sound. Yep, yep. That you Simpler would hear. time. Yeah, like the song itself didn't have a lot going for it in terms of like it being a very busy track. Mm-hmm. But it felt very lighthearted and and easygoing, very similar to like Excite Bike, yes, or yes. Uh, Mock Rider, Urban Champion, those types of games that were coming out, like the Black Box NES games, right, right, tennis and yep. all that type of stuff. So it wasn't like super complex, but it did come out in '89, so it still had like a a very warm tone to it. Yeah, no, that's true. And that's that, that's mostly how I remember this game. Like I said, I haven't played it much lately, but I, I remember it warmly or yeah. fondly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The composer on this one, like I said, uh, we're going with David Thiel because uh, I couldn't actually find credits for the NES. <laughs> so uh, I'm assuming that the arcade music was either arranged or converted for the NES. David started out in 1982 with a game called Reactor. He did the sound on that. Uh, Qbert and Qbert's Cubes, which came out in 1983. Mad Planets, 1983. Uh, Beam Rider came out in 1984. Rock and Bolt. Uh, came out in 1985. Uh, Winter Games came out in 1987. And then the last game he did music on was Disney's DuckTales, The Quest for Gold. And that was uh, Amiga, Apple II, Atari, Commodore 64, and DOS. Right, right, right. Yeah. 
computer game. So not much to say on that one. It's Qbert. It's a pretty fun game. If you've played it before, if you haven't, definitely check it out because it's a neat little puzzle platformer. Yeah. Now we're going to move into a game that is pretty interesting. This is a neat little gem that I found by Lord Tim Fallon. Uh, the, <laughs> the game is from Puznik. That's the name of the title. And the game came out on the Amiga in 1990. And this is the title screen music by, again, Tim Fallon. Welcome back to XVGM Radio, and that was a funky, funky jam from Puznik, which came out on the Amiga in 1990. That was title screen, and it was by Lord Tim Fallon. Yeah. Oh, I don't know why I said it like that, but <laughs> let's roll with it. Funky fresh is what I would call that. I was really enjoying that one. I love the funky bass line that's like almost like a synth bass. Yeah, yeah. Yes. It and then you've got as soon as the the main melody comes in, you know it's a fallen song. Like you just you know and actually you were commenting on that 
on the break. Break, yeah. Because um, because when I was listening to the tracks earlier, I wasn't paying attention to the information about the track. Mm. I was just like clicking the links and, and listening, and it came on, and I was just the, the first thing that went through my head is, "Is this Tim Fallon track?" <laughs> and then I was like, "Oh, it is. Okay, cool." Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's not common for me to to, to be able to ident- identify those things unless mm. it's a, a, a composer that I'm super, super familiar with, mm. uh, and there's only a handful <laughs> handful of those. <laughs> so it was just really cool that, uh, that, that that I was able to pick that out because it is like it it, it feels. Very similar to a lot of the other stuff that I, that I've heard by him that I like by him, and I, it just it was it was just so nice. <laughs> <laughs> it just made me feel so nice. Yes, it felt like I was free fallen. Oh, uh, 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 I live for your booze. <laughs> Puznik, I don't know. I've seen it on different like consoles and computers and stuff. This game has come out for, like, everything. Like, you name it, it's probably come out on it. It started off on the original arcade version, then it got ported to the Amiga, the Amstrad CPC, the Atari ST, the NES, the TurboGrafx-16, the Game Boy, I'm missing a bunch, the ZX Spectrum, PS1, Sharp X68000, and even the FM Towns. Uh, you forgot the TI-83 right, and right. the uh, mm. the the wristwatch calculator. Yeah, the Tiger Tiger Electronics. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's apparently been a lot of clones uh, for this game, but uh, oh, you're not surprised. Yeah, this one is developed by Taito, uh, at least as far as like the arcade goes. Published by Taito as well. The Amiga version specifically, though, I think was published by Ocean Software. I was just going to say, I, I think it was published by Ocean on yeah. most of the consoles. Uh, I mean, well, Ocean, I would even Ultron, say... the, 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 there's a few different publishers. Yeah, definitely but... the the computers, like the European computers, like the C64 oh, yep, yep. and uh, the ZX Spectrum and the Amiga, for sure, the Amstrad CPC, all those more western-style PCs, it's, it's pretty clear that it most likely came out through Ocean on those. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. What's interesting is that the Japanese arcade version and the FM Towns version has adult content in them. Really? Yeah, like, uh, if you finish the level, there's, like, a naked woman. So. Wow. Digital giblets. <laughs> digital giblets. Digital giblets, indeed. So, uh, but yeah, this is uh, an interesting one as far as the puzzles it's kind of similar to flipple also known as plotting which is made by taito yeah yeah all right so the way that this game is played is you have this like brick looking outline that's kind of like the border on the outside and then on the inside of that there'll be different shaped levels and all like you know like golden blocks or whatever Mm. you know stuff like that and in those you'll have puzzle pieces that'll be all different shapes inside squares. They'll be like a yellow diamond or a red circle or a green like cylinder. Yeah. And what you have to do is you have to move those pieces with a cursor and line them up so that you can match the two pieces. Oh. And then once you match them, they go away. So the whole point of the game is to make these pieces go away and you only have a certain limited amount of time to do that. So that is the game in a nutshell. Neat. Watching gameplay footage, it doesn't look like the sort of game where you can lose easily. So I kind of feel like, and and I mean, again, I didn't play this one just because I don't have an Amiga, but I would assume based on, you know, what footage I did find for the game that uh, it, it feels like it starts off easy enough and then maybe the time is a major concern for the game. 
So I'm thinking that maybe people lose because of the time, not because of, you know, them not being able to actually do it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, as the levels go on, it looks like they the the pieces and the shapes get more sort of complicated. Mm. So it may not necessarily even be a thing of like losing due to you know messing up. It might be a a, a situation of just like giving up, like oh this sure. is too hard. Yeah, yeah, and definitely, I mean, the amount of pieces grow in number. Oh yeah. So yeah. you know, you're going from like five or six pieces each to, level to like, like you know 20, 20 or 25 yeah. or whatever yeah, yeah yeah yep so but tim fallen needs no no introduction <laughs> he is one of the best european composers out there pick i don't know four games off the top <laughs> of my head spider-man x-men arcades revenge on the super nes mm. and on the genesis but way better on the super nes he did ford racing two and three some later games that he worked on hmm and Rock and Roll Racing, he did the audio programming. The programming, not the composition. Right. Um, for that. And, I don't know, Plock? Oh, yeah, Super no Plock. Yes. Yeah, we'll do one more. Target Renegade in 1990. There you go. Solstice as well. Okay, that's five. All right, I'm done. I could go on. You're, ta- you're not talking about Solstice on the NES, Yeah. Right? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great stuff. Great stuff. Love Tim Fallon. Great composer. Definitely. So, and this one is just reeks of Fallen. Yeah, it's yeah. So no. good. We'll move on to your next pick. Yeah, so next we will listen to a track that sounds very ominous by the name. It's called Almost Dead. <laughs> the game is called IQ Intelligent Cube if you are in North America. If you're in Europe, it was called Kurushi. Ooh. And it came out on the PS1 in 1997, and the composers on this are a mix of people. So we have Takeyuki Hattori and Kozo Araki were the coordinators, or the sound coordinators, and Akihiko Shimizu is the producer, sound producer. Thank you. 
Welcome back to XVGM Radio. That was Almost Dead from Soul Calibur. I mean, (laughs) that was off of IQ Intelligent Cube uh, in the North America region, also known as Kurushi in Europe. Uh, Came out on the PS1 in 1997. Composers are Takeyuki Hattori, Kozo Araki, and Akihiko Shimizu. Hmm. I've not played this one. To be honest, neither have I. Okay. Uh, I've seen it played by a mutual friend of ours who introduced me to the game. Hmm. And I am going to have some trouble here because I can't really explain how this game works because it's really weird. Okay. Uh, basically, you're like a person in, in, a, in a stage. And in every stage, there's a cube, like a big cube made up of smaller cubes. Okay. So, uh, and then those cubes sort of come at you and you need to activate some of them and avoid others. So there, there's three different types of cubes. There's normal cubes, uh, which are gray, and they can... They're, they're supposed to be clear. Like, the object of the game is to clear the cubes in each level. Mm. Um, so normal cubes you want to clear. Advantage cubes are green, uh, and they should be cleared. And clearing them gets you some kind of a bonus. Okay. And then there are forbidden cubes, and those are black. And if you clear them, it's not good. Like, you're supposed to let them fall off the stage or just let them be. Mm. Otherwise, you get you get penalties. The game looks really weird, and I'm sure if I had a moment to like take a look at a manual and sit down and I mean I did I did try to sit down and play it once, uh, and after a few minutes of frustration, the controller was taken from my hands. <laughs> but yeah, I mean the, the game is called Intelligent Cube, mm. so it's 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 not just a like a mindless puzzle game. Like there there is like thought and logic involved, and uh, I'm pre- pretty sure at the time I was not interested in putting thought into anything. Gotcha. So this one, I'm assuming it takes place when you're almost dying in the game this track yeah, yeah. yeah. Th- this is this is the like oh you you're, you're not doing too well track. Mm. so is this like where you've cleared too many black blocks there, there's a number of ways you can get in there either mm. not not clearing the blocks that you're supposed to be clearing um, and not having enough sort of space to move around in mm. so that you're you're, you're basically you're, you're limited and you're, you're kind of trapped mm. or you've cleared too many forbidden blocks and you've taken many penalties or whatever but this, the, this is definitely the uh, you ain't doing too hot track <laughs> This is a really pretty obscure puzzle game, and I think it's just not in my wheelhouse. Yeah. I like this music, though. I mean, uh, musically speaking, you, you pretty much nailed it when you compared it with Soul, Soul Calibur. Calibur. <laughs> it really does feel like a boss battle yep. in, in Soul Calibur. So I don't know if that's what they were trying to go for musically with this, but... I, I I would doubt that they were going for Soul Calibur, but the the, the composition is there. Like this is yeah. this is clearly I mean, on, on the PS One. You had some games were you know Red Book Audio fully mm. orchestrated, uh, and some games were more MIDI. And this is clearly one of the games where it's fully orchestrated. Like yeah. this this isn't MIDI at all. Mm. And I, I think they were just going for something that was more symphonic. Yeah. Uh, the the other tracks in this game are actually it, it's it's a mixture of stuff. Some some of it is fairly relaxing. Some of it 
that is kind of the opposite of relaxing. <laughs> Actually, I don't find this one too stressful. Like, it's mm. definitely not a relaxing track, but it's not it's not the most stressful track on this uh, on this soundtrack. Okay, okay. I I would say that this track, to me at least, if I had heard this, mm-hmm. I would deem it as a kind of a stressful track. Yeah. I mean, the use of the string arrangements. Definitely kind of build fear. Oh yeah, and the horns in there. You know, it's it's the when the horns come in, it makes it feel a little bit more whimsy, like whimsical. Yeah, I guess you could say. But those strings are straight up horror movie. You know what I mean? I picture like a teenage girl running through a hallway, running away from a slasher. You know, like a like a one of those slasher flicks. Yeah, yeah, like Jetty or Frasen. Jetty or Frasen, exactly, exactly. At first, I thought you said Jenny, like the girl's Jenny name from is the block. Jenny. Yeah, Jenny from the block. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. So, what about the composers on this? So, we got a couple people here to look at. We've got Takayuki Hattori started out doing arrangement on Mami Inoue Konohoshi Nitata Hitori no Kimi in 1992, and that was a Turbo Graphics game. It looks like it was Hudson Soft dating sim. Okay. That type of a thing. Like a visual novel dating. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Then moves on to Intelligent Cube in 1997. Uh, Kurushi Final Mental Blocks in 1998. Uh, And as I mentioned, Intelligent Cube is also called Kurushi, so this Mm. is a sequel to that. Oh, okay. Uh, And then went on to do music for Ark the Lad, Twilight of the Spirits in 2003, and Ark the Lad, End of Darkness in 2004. Mm. And then we have Kozo Araki. Kozo Araki has two credits, uh, and they are both... The Intelligent Cube Kurushi games that I mentioned earlier in 97 and 98. Uh, and then finally, we have the music producer on this, Akihiko Shimizu. Much more stuff here. Started doing music production in 1994 with Crime Crackers. Uh, went on to do uh, one of my favorite games on the PS1, Wild Arms, in 1996. Ah, okay. Uh, yep, Crime Crackers 2 in 1997, Alundra in 1997. Um, I think maybe he was on as a co-composer for Wild Arms because... All, all, all of these are music production. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, okay. Uh, in fact, I don't see anything here that is composition. Uh, I did music supervision on Legend of Dragoon in 1999. I was going to say, because there's a different composer that worked on... Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, on all of the Wild Arms games. Yes, definitely. Mm. And it uh, looks like he was a recording director on Wild Arms 2 in 99. Okay. Um, last game, he was executive vice president uh, on Dead Rising in 2006. Okay. That's a pretty good list of composers, and we're going to move into a really pretty obscure, wacky puzzle game. Was this obscure? I would consider it obscure. Not as obscure as IQ, <laughs> yeah. but uh, I, I would say that this is still pretty obscure huh. uh, when compared with, you know, stuff like Tetris. But uh, <laughs> this this is... Uh, well, yeah, I mean, my mom plays Tetris, yeah. so that's Well, I unfair. mean, you know, your mom plays Tetris. I mean, my grandma played Tetris. Yo, your mom plays Tetris. Nice. Nice. Sick burn. Sick burn. So this is Catherine on the Xbox 360, PlayStation 3, and PC. This came out in 2011, and it's composed by Shoji Miguro. The track is It's a Golden Show.
Hey there, my name is Catherine, and I'm red hot and waiting for you to pick up the phone and call me at 1-900-P-U-Z-C-U-B-U-S. If you call now, you'll encounter plenty of girls just like me who are ready and willing to solve all your problems, literally. Got a puzzle that is just too hard for that silly little brain of yours? Why not get one of our ladies involved? Our girls are accredited by Mensa and MIT and have a thing for puzzling up the night. So, what are you waiting for? Call 1-900-P-U-Z-C-U-B-U-S so we can help you drop your blocks into our empty slots and Tetris the night away. Call now. Alright, thanks for listening to XVGM Radio. That track was by Jamiroquai. No. Yeah, no. might as well. Yeah, Catherine on the Xbox 360, PS3, and PC, which came out in 2011. The track was It's a Golden Show, and no, Justin, it's not It's a Golden Shower. <laughs> so that was composed by Shoji Meguro. So... You've not played Catherine, right? No, I've I've watched. I don't think I've seen it played all the way through, but mm. I've I've watched some of the gameplay, and yeah. it looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So, kind of going back to Cuber, it's mm. very similar to Cuber uh, oh, yeah. in terms of the level layout. So it's all pyramid shaped. So you play as this character named Vincent, and he is basically this guy who is not really ambitious. He doesn't really have any kind of direction just kind of like a, a bachelor, you know, lifestyle, but he's been with this woman, Catherine, and her name was with a K. And she's, mm. you know, going places, she's, you know, working, and she's she works for like a clothing manufacturer, and, you know, she, I guess, reconnected, she was, she knew him in high school, and then they reconnected, and they ended up starting to date, and they've been dating for a while, and, you know, she's at that age, she's 32 years old, he's 32 years old, and you know, they're at that point in their lives where they're, you know, they may or may not settle down. Right, right. And Vincent is very like, eh, whatever, you know, <laughs> kind of go with the flow. And Catherine, with a K, is very much like, hey, I want to, you know, let's get married. Like, let's make, let's move on to that next step in our lives. And so Vincent ends up meeting this other woman named Catherine. And it's kind of alluded in previous cutscenes that Catherine with a C a totally different woman yep much younger she's like 22 very bouncy free spirited and she is kind of like this succubus character that like you know devours men or kills murders men or whatever Um, but obviously lures them into spending the night with her and so that ends up happening with Vincent he wakes up one night and he realizes he's had a one-nighter with this woman, Catherine, with a C. Mm-hmm. And so he flips out, and that's kind of where I'll leave the story. Um, because that's pretty much where the demo leaves the story. But the gameplay takes place in this like pyramid world, kind of like in a dream state, where you're going around. Uh, Vincent all of a sudden has like sheep horns, or like ram horns on his yeah, head. Yeah. And you're trying to get to, if I, if I recall correctly, you're working your way up from the bottom of the pyramid to the top of the pyramid. Oh, and this game is really difficult on anything but easy. And even on easy, it's pretty tough. 
Like, it's... Yeah, I remember that being the case. Yeah, really, really difficult. But that is the game, pretty much. And, like, I can't remember the specifics, but there's sheep involved, there's pillows, there's all different wacky moments in this game. But, yeah, you're essentially trying to avoid Catherine, who is trying to climb the, you know, like, if I recall correctly, it's like, it's like a race, almost, where you have to figure out how to get to the top in time to avoid Catherine, who is trying to get you from the bottom of the pyramid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, the, the blocks, like, turn black, if I recall, as you are going up hmm. the pyramid, so you have to stay away from the black. If you end up getting touched by the black or whatever, then, you know, you lose, it's game over, you start to level over, so. Yeah. I haven't, haven't seen it in a long time, but that that's, that sounds right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. the, also, as, as a disclaimer, the, the game contains adult themes. It does. There's no, I don't think there's any actual adult content, but I, it's I would not a, It's not yeah. a game for kids. So you may not want to suggest this game to children. Yeah, no, definitely not. It's much more a mature-rated game. Uh, it is mature-rated. Oh, that's right, it is. Yeah. Okay. Good stuff. But yeah, anyways, this track. Let's talk about this track. It starts off with that, like, very warm, vibrant, like, piano. Kind of sad, somber kind of feel to it. And then it just kicks off into this, like, Jamiroquai, you know, like, gotcha <laughs> kind of moment. Yeah, I really like the, the, the sort of funkier elements to it. There's a number of things in there that, that I... I in my head, I've dubbed the Daft Punk sounds. <laughs> they're, they're, I mean, they're, they're sort of techno-y. Yeah, it's, it's not a really techno-y song. Probably I those drums are making it sound kind of techno dance. Well, well, not not just that. Some some of the the synth sounds mm. that are that are more in the background. Um, overall, like I, I agree with what you said. It leans more Jamiroquai than it would ever mm. Daft Punk. Yeah, but yeah. just some some of the sounds, I'm like oh, like I I feel like I've heard that sound in uh, Around the World, right? Or Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger. Yeah, stuff like yeah, that. yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, I, I really liked the way that they, they took those different sounds mm. and put them together in a way to make this song. That was the vaguest thing I've ever said. <laughs> <laughs> so Shoji Meguro has pretty much worked with Atlas exclusively, working on Persona in 96. Uh, is pretty much stuck with the Shin Megami Tensei and Persona series, working on almost all of them except for... No, yeah, almost all of them. Also worked on Trauma Center, Second Opinion, and Trauma Ooh. Center Under the Knife, as well as Trauma Team. Too. Yeah, all mm. those Trauma Team and Trauma Center games were pretty cool. So His last game was Persona 5 in 2017, where he was the main composer. So now we're moving from a more obscure, very adult game to a very kid-friendly game. <laughs> yes. What do you got for us? So we are going to hear from Scribblenauts, which came out on the Nintendo DS in 2009. The track is New Frontier 1, and it is by David J. Franco.
You're listening to XVGM Radio. Welcome back. That was New Frontier 1 from Scribblenauts. Not to be confused with Scribblenauts Unlimited. Ah. Scribblenauts, the original, came out on the Nintendo DS in 2009, and this was composed by David J. Franco. Yeah, I thought that this was not a puzzle game. Right, right. But apparently it is. Yes. So explain. Explain yourself. Yes. So Scribblenauts is a side-scrolling game, and what makes it a puzzle game is in every level, you're in a situation that you need to figure out how to get out of. This is a real puzzle platformer. Yes, yes. Puzzle and puzzle platformer, exactly, because there there is platforming. And the way that you solve these puzzles is by summoning objects. I'm trying to remember how you summon them. Do you draw Don't them? Don't you, like, no. like put words, words yes. in? Yes. So you put in, like, I don't know, like... Ladder or Chicken Cthulhu pot pie or... or chicken pot pie. Lemon pie or, or cheese. Cannoli pie. I don't know why I'm stuck on pie. <laughs> I must be hungry, so... I have a cannoli pie in the fridge at home. I should have brought it. Dude... But yeah, so you write the words on the the touchpad, uh, and then the game attempts to recognize what you have written and then mm. materialize it in the the upper screen. I remember being blown away with trying to come up with stuff like random stuff, and they would try to produce it. Yeah, and it, it, it was like almost always uh, it would work. Like mm. I, I remember doing something similar. Like I would I would type in like Bugs Bunny, mm. and it wasn't Bugs Bunny, but it it, it put a bun- it put sure. a rabbit up there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then they they put more stuff in the sequel in the unli- in, in unlimited i think they they even had some uh, some licensed characters if i remember correctly you could put in batman yeah they had like a dc version if yes. i recall yeah. oh maybe it was a dc version then yeah. that i'm thinking of yeah they had a dc version where you could like put in batman superman aquaman and wonder woman and all that stuff yeah but even on this version you could you could do some relatively silly things mm-hmm. like i believe you could uh, you could put in cthulhu yeah. and uh, and it would summon an elder god right, and all right, of a sudden right. you're screwed <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it was. It, I, I never really got that far in this game because I ended up just using it to see what goofy, stupid things mm. I could write and make it yeah, display. But overall, it was it was really neat and and really incredible for for what it was when it came out. Like mm-hmm. some of the examples of things that you could do, uh, like you needed in in, so, in one of the levels, you basically needed to make a helicopter in order to get out, right? Uh, and then like and then get a rope and attach the rope to the helicopter so you could climb up it and, right, and right. stuff like that. Mm. But it was just really incredible that you could type anything you want down the bottom and the game would almost always throw that item into the game. Right, right, right. Yeah, I, 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 I'm almost positive I picked this one up at launch. Yep. And <laughs> I got bored with it pretty quick, but I thought it was pretty fun while it lasted. I, I really love this era of the Nintendo DS's music. This game, as well oh, yeah. as Drawn to Life. I was actually just going to mention yep. that one, because it's by the same composer. Yeah, yeah. So David J. Franco really kind of nailed that like playful, almost like sandbox mm-hmm. or children's toy vibe. I love the simplistic like claps in the beginning, but yep. that, sim- <laughs> like, that funky kind of bass line. Yep. And then right before the song actually kicks off, you get that like really weirdly lazy yeah from the kids yes yeah i don't know why that's so funny to me but like i just really love how it's just like yeah Yeah. (laughs) fair enough yeah i thought that was great 
But uh, speaking of David J. Franco, they started off doing music on a game called Frazzled in 2003. That was a Windows game Mm. published and developed by Midnight Synergy. Then went on to do DNA in 2006. And then, as you mentioned, Drawn to Life, Drawn to Life, the next chapter, Scribblenauts, Super Scribblenauts, Scribblenauts Unlimited, Scribblenauts Unmasked, a DC Comics adventure. That's what I was Ah, thinking of. And then Scribblenauts Remix in 2013. Those were all over the place. But the non-drawing games here, Frazzled DNA, Locke's Quest in 2008, Run, Rue, Run in 2012, and then finally Locke's Quest again in 2017. Mm. So, yeah, I, I should check out uh, Drawn to Life 2. I think I own it, actually, but I haven't started it. I did beat the first no. one, and I really liked it. And, uh, I, I don't know, it held my attention a little bit better than Scribblenauts did. Yeah, Scribble, Scribblenauts was, was cool and it was a really neat idea. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like it, it sort of suffered from a lot of the, the same thing that a lot of the early-ish DS and, like, Wii games suffered from, in that it was really gimmicky, mm. and the gimmick was awesome, but it just, like, I don't know, I feel like I have a similar problem with games like GTA. Like, the you, you play for a little while, and then you just end up killing people and, and, and whatnot, and then the game loses all meaning, because right. that's all you end up doing. Same with this. It's, like, it's really cool, but eventually, like, I, I didn't care about playing the game, I just wanted to throw words in there. Mm. Uh, looks like we're actually getting a, another call in this time on the the Patreon line. Uh, Janine, can you send that over? Let's see who we got. Caller, you're on the air with XVGM Radio. Who's this? Hey guys, it's Cameron uh, with uh, with a W. Say, in the event you just happen to be doing a puzzle games episode at the moment, <laughs> would you be able to play the caucus theme from Puzzle Quest: Challenge of the Warlords? I just really like the sound of a giant hammer hitting a giant anvil makes me want to uh, rush off into battle involving gems and shapes sliding around on a screen to break other gems and shapes yeah thanks yeah sure cam we could definitely play that for you so this is cam worma's patron pick puzzle quest challenge of the warlords on the nintendo ds in 2007 this is Calcus's theme, and it's by Mark Durrell, Bart Rogemans, Jan Louis Koopmans, and Ruud van de Muzjik.
Thanks for joining us back on XVGM Radio. And that was the patron pick of this episode. That was Cam Worma's pick. And that was Puzzle Quest Challenge of the Warlords, which came out on the Nintendo DS in 2007. The track is Calcus's theme, and it's by a bunch of composers, which have very difficult names, which, I don't know, <laughs> I'll hold off on explaining. We'll come back to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> For now, I just want to talk about how much Enya uh, contributed sail to this song. Sail away, sail away, sail away. If that bum, did not bum, pop, bum, yep. Bum, da, bum, dum, bum. Yep. If that did not pop into your head while you were listening to this, then <laughs> I don't wrong. know. You're wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it was a good. It was a good song, though. I, mm. I I do dig that hammer. This one really made you think. It's one of those tracks where when you're listening to it, you're like, I am thinking about how to proceed in this game. Have you played this game? No, not at all. You have not? Okay. So, I don't know if I bought the game when it came out or if I played the demo. I think I bought this game when it came out. On which system? On the DS. On the DS? Yeah, yeah. And it's an interesting game. It got pretty difficult from what I recall, but it's like a predecessor to like smartphone puzzle games because oh. smartphones weren't really a thing back then. I mean, yeah, you had like Palm Pilots. Yeah. But you didn't really have early. Like, yeah. I don't even know if Blackberries were out at that point. I can't remember. Maybe like they were just starting to come out with Blackberries, but yeah, either yeah. way, like you weren't seeing these kind of games or, you know, to this level of depth of a puzzle game on, no, on a no. system that wasn't a portable. No, I mean, they had, uh, like, Bejeweled and stuff like that. Yeah. PopCap games, they were Flash games and stuff. But this is, from from what I'm seeing, this is definitely deeper than, than that. I mean, Bejeweled was just, you know, here here's a level, and mm. do some things. And this, there was, like, you had an opponent and stuff. Like, there, were, there was more to it than just gems on a field. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's essentially a bejeweled styled game but it's supposed to simulate like combat yeah yeah. um so you're fighting different characters and it was kind of like a weird mix as far as the visual goes between like anime and like more classic traditional oh style like very fantasy-esque like lord of the rings kind of style like, like medieval yeah medieval fighting, fantasy sword, swords and sorcery type right stuff. gotcha right. it also came out on like the xbox 360 came out on the wii the ps3 the playstation 2 PSP. windows mac os yeah. x i mean you name it it's been out on it so yeah yeah this version for the track just to clarify we could not find the DS version. Even if we tried to get a rip of the DS version, I wasn't able to find it. But this version is pretty much the same on the PSP, which is the version that we played. So, yeah. It it didn't really have much of a difference. I think this is a straightforward port. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So, but yeah, it's it's turn-based as far as the gameplay goes. So you have all these different colored gems, and then you've got these different, like, skull icons as well in there. Like, all, all different types of tiles. And the whole point is to get, like, four in a row, five in a row, six, seven, or eight in a row, for example. And when you do that, then you get, you know, basically attacks that are, you know, causing damage to the enemy. So that's at least the goal. I mean, you can get spells and also companions during the game, too, which will give you, like, bonuses. Yeah. So it's a pretty fun game, if I recall. Regarding the PSP, I I think that the AI was more challenging than the DS version, I would say. Um, Yeah, that's what I was seeing as well. Yeah. So the DS version and the PSP version both came out around the same time. So, But uh, apparently the PSP version has a bug in it that the DS version does not. But I think they they continued to come out with these games for a while. 
So, Mark Durrell is the first composer on this one. Started off in 2004 with Wars and Warriors Joan of Arc, and later on did Strategic Command 2 Blitzkrieg in 2006, the Neo Pets Puzzle Adventure Game in 2008, and their final game was Gems of War in 2014. Did the music on that one, so that's just a few games out of their roster. So Bart Roymans started out doing music and sound on a game called Euroman in 2001. Ben 10, Protector of Earth in 2007. That was another Nintendo DS game. Princess in Love in 2009, another DS game. Mahjong 3D Essentials in 2013. And finally, Disney Frozen Olaf's Quest in 2013. Jan-Louis Koopmans, sorry if I butchered your name, but (laughs) worked on uh, CT Special Forces 3 Bioterror in 2004. They developed the sound engine on that one. Also worked on State Shift in 2007, Puzzle Quest in 2007, and their final game, Audio Wise, they did the music conversion for Bejeweled 2 Deluxe in 2010. And then Rude Van de Moustic. They did sound effects on Think Kids in 2008. Uh, they did music composition on Polar Bowler in 2008. <laughs> and then sound design on Princess in Love in 2009. So most likely just like mobile and Facebook type games. Yeah. Looks that like, sort of stuff. Yeah. It looks like the last thing that they did was in 2013. They were executive producer on SpongeBob SquarePants Plankton's Robotic Revenge. Ah, interesting. All right, so we're going to move into a classic track from a classic composer. This is Tetris Plus on the Game Boy. This came out in 1996. The track is called Nasus, and it's by Iku Mizutani, my favorite composer. Nice.
Welcome back to XVGM Radio, and that was Tetris Plus on the Game Boy that came out in 1996. The track was Gnosis, and it's by Iku Mizutani, my favorite composer, my man's Iku Mizutani. Great, great track. Love this song. <laughs> my man. My man. So what do you think of this one? It's definitely an Ikubizutani track. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, I mean, that was something that I could tell right off the bat. Yeah. I really like the, the the sound font that was used in this. It sounds like, it feels like a level theme. Yeah. I mean, that driving bass is just the yeah. star of this track. <laughs> that do, 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 do. Yeah. Really yeah. just love that. And he's always done such a great job with driving bass, galloping bass, and really let's just like crunchy tight drums yeah. which i love so he also did the music on the ps1 version and our, i believe the arcade version saturn version huh. of, of this game as well so it was developed by natsume but it was published all over the place depending <laughs> on you know what system it came out when it was published by nintendo yeah uh, for the gamecube but then you know like jalico published it on the ps1 I think Bulletproof Software published it on the Saturn. Wait, it was on the GameCube, too? Uh, no, no, no. The Game, Game Boy. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but this one, it's it's pretty cool. It's it's battery backup, so you can save, like, the high scores, which is really oh, nice, yeah, unlike yeah. the original Tetris Game Boy. In my opinion, this blows the original Tetris out of the water. Yeah, mm. you've got the simplistic, you know, easygoing Tetris with the Russian tracks or whatever, but this one has far superior music, obviously, because mm. it's Ikumizutani. But on top of that, you get two different main modes in this game. You get classic mode and puzzle mode. Oh. Classic mode is pretty much just Tetris. Mm -hmm. But then the puzzle mode is really cool. You're going to all these different stages located on different parts of the world. So the, the Maya stage, Gnosis, oh. Egypt, or Angkor Wat. And then the final area is Atlantis. And it's unlocked, obviously, by completing the other four stages. So the whole point of this one is you've got this little archaeologist dude that's like running all over the place and you've got to get him to the bottom of the level as fast as possible. So you're basically constantly trying to get um, Tetris yeah. so that way you could lower him down to the very bottom of the level. That's so, pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, I just realized I've never played this game. I've, I've played a number <laughs> of Tetris games, but never I've never played Tetris Plus. Mm. And that, that sounds pretty cool. I, I like the sound of that, the puzzle mode. But what's really annoying about him, the little, like, guy, because yeah. you've got also, like, a cutesy anime girl as well, who's kind of, like, also, you're, like, on your team, kind of, mm -hmm. like, guiding you or coaching you. Mm -hmm. And then you've got this archaeologist dude who kind of looks like if the Michelin Man was, like, a mini, mini, mini version. <laughs> or not the Michelin Man, the... Um, I was going to say, you calling him fat? The, no, the micro, micro Machines guy. Oh, yeah, He yeah. kind of looks like that, but he's got, like, very exaggerated features, like a big giant nose and like a big furry mustache and like <laughs> he's super super tiny and he's got like a giant hat you mm -hmm. know what i mean so he is super annoying because he keeps climbing to go higher on the blocks it's like dude what are you doing like get down <laughs> I'm supposed to get you to the bottom right stop climbing. right what a, what a jerk what a jerk right right so that is it but yeah this That's is a wild. really fun game it's it's harder to find now Physically, hmm. like you could get the PS1 version anywhere. Like it's it's all over the place. And of course, the Saturn version, you're paying for the Saturn tax. Right. If you go to buy it, you know, because it's going to be more expensive than the PS1 version. Yeah. But it's the same game, pretty much. But the Game Boy version is harder to find just because you don't really see it. I mean, you'll find like Tetris Blast mm -hmm. and you'll find the original Tetris, but Tetris Plus is a little harder to find. So 
Hmm. Uh, definitely keep an eye out for it if you're hunting for games. I collect games with a Mizutani soundtracks, <laughs> so this was like one of those games I picked up and just completely so you already have this. Huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. Nice. Yeah, good stuff. So, uh, tell me about Iku Mizutani. I've never heard of them. Oh, yeah. No, no, never heard of them. Where do I start? Shatterhand. Mm-hmm. Let's go there. Mm-hmm. Shadow of the Ninja. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Don Dokodan 2, which has a really cool soundtrack. He did a game called Hinotori, which is a really fun game on the Famicom. A lot of his games didn't come overseas here. He also did Sagaya on the Master System. Ah, uh, okay. And mm-hmm. did a bunch of games. Uh, Power Rangers Time Force on oh, the Game Boy yeah, Color. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Power Rangers Lightspeed Rescue on the Game Boy Color, Action Man on the Game Boy Color. Uh, Just so many amazing (laughs) soundtracks and games from this guy. Pretty much almost everything he's produced is gold, in my opinion, but I'm a little biased. (laughs) That's fair. And of course, we interviewed him on Pixel Tunes Radio, so I was lucky to pick his brain. So go listen to that episode if you're interested. No, just go listen to that episode. It's It's a really good one. It is a really cool episode, so yeah. All right, so we're moving into my last pick. Yeah, your final pick. What do you got for us? So we are going to go with a game that came out on the Wii in 2008 called World of Goo. And the track is called Rain, Rain, Windy, Windy. And it was composed by Kyle Gabler.
Welcome back. That was Rain Rain Windy Windy from World of Goo, which came out on the Wii and everything else <laughs> in 2008. I mean, I say everything else, but it was like the Wii and well, it started with systems. The Wii. Yeah, yeah, it came out it, the Wii first, yeah. and then like phones and every, every, every yeah. like Steam and whatnot. Mm. I think the only way to play this game is on the Wii, though. Honestly, uh, I mean, t- touch screens work fairly well too. Yeah. Like I've, I've played it like on, on Android, and it's, yeah. it's not bad. That's but, true. Uh, the first time I ever played it was on the Wii, Same and, here. and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah. I didn't get that far in it, but I did like it. This is a very whimsical. Very track. Oh, I, I thought you were going to say a very whimsical game, which, which I well, the game say. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, this track is also yes, very, very whimsical. Well, the game. I guess I would say initially it kind of starts off kind of depressing because like the whole point of it is you're playing as these little goo, goo balls, goo balls, yep. and they're all coming out of this like factory and like what are you like progressing from like level to level to like destroy the factory or something like that? I can't remember. Sort of. So the game itself is built around the idea of creating structures using these balls of goo. There are different types of balls that, that do different things, but they, they like attach to each other in, in different ways, and you basically need to help them get from one area to the other. Mm. Each level... So there's four chapters and an epilogue, and every chapter has its own sort of setting. Like The first chapter is set in like summer, second chapter is set in fall, mm. and like every level in the chapter sort of has its own its own sort of feel and theme to it, which is kind of neat. Hmm. But I'm going to flip the script on this one a little um, and just talk about Kyle Gabler real quick. Okay. His audio credits are really just World of Goo in 2008 and Little Inferno in 2012. Right, which I think were uh, both done by the same developer. Yep. Yeah. So Kyle Gabler, aside from just doing the, the soundtrack to this game, also designed, wrote, and illustrated the entire game. So not that he was the only person that worked on it, but he did the majority of, of, of stuff that went into this game. Like, this was basically his game. It was developed and pr- published by 2D Boy. <laughs> 2D Boy? That That's the name of the uh, the company. Okay. So, yeah, I remember playing this when it came out, and I remember it was a big deal because it was, like, the first... Other than, like, Lost Winds, it was the first online like WiiWare game that you could buy. Oh, that's right. That was like a really good game. It wasn't like shovelware. <laughs> so it was pretty cool to, to play a game like this and to let your friends know, see, see, Nintendo Wii does have cool downloadable <laughs> titles. Yeah, yeah. Aside from the, the whole uh, homebrew channel, yeah, thing, which so, you had to hack for. but Well, I mean, that's if you wanted to download games. Are you talking about if you wanted to download games for free? No, well, there there was a whole extra piece to. I, I don't think it was the homebrew channel specifically, but um, there was a lot a, a lot of games like um, indie games that you could get through there. Um, oh, okay. Or that that you could that you would get for a modded Wii that you can play via homebrew. Yeah, like Smash Brothers, for example. They uh, they modded Smash Brothers into a thing. I think they called it like Project M. Oh, or something yeah, like that. yeah, yeah. I remember yeah, hearing yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, they tried to make it more like. Melee, like Smash Brothers Melee. Yeah, I think so. Yep. But yeah, and it was it was a really fun game and really really cute in certain ways. Like like you said, the, yeah. the first the first world, the first level is kind of depressing. A little but, Tim Burton esque. Yeah, yeah. Like this game and that other game that you mentioned. Oh, Little Inferno. Little Inferno. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Very Tim. If Tim Burton made games, it'd be <laughs> similar to this. So. That's fair. Yeah. All right, well, let's move into my final track. This is a great track to close us out, and it's another Wii adventure, or I guess you could say uh, puzzle game. 
This is Zach and Wiki, which came out on the Wii in 2007. And the track is called Descent of the Oracle, and it's by Shinya Okada and Tadayoshi Makino. Welcome back to our final track. That was Zach and Wiki Quest for Barbarossa's Treasure in the 2007 Wii release. That was my final pick, and the track was Descent of the Oracle, and that was by Shinya Okada and Tadayoshi Makino. So I wrote up some lyrics for this one. Oh, I gotta hear this. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I'm listening to this, and I'm like, this sounds a lot like Piano Man by oh, Billy Joel. No. Does it not? <laughs> I mean, I I can see where you'd get that. I I wouldn't have I wouldn't have made that comparison, but Hush. I I have a lot of a much love for the piano tracks. Let's hear the lyrics. Yes. Sing us a song, Zack and Wiki man. The sea rabbit's fortune is near. 
for the treasure chest is found with a Wiimote scan. Captain Barbaros lives for your fear. Ah, na na na, Zach and Wiki. I don't know. I, I love it. I was bored. You should complete that. I totally should. Do the entire song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll record it as a special patron track. There we go. There we go. <laughs> I don't know. Oh. So, have you played this one? No. Oh, man. We should totally play this one. I'm down. It is a blast. It is also a great game to play with friends. Like, hmm. really, really fun to play with friends. I got this one when it came out. What's really funny is nobody still talks about this game. And what's crazy is it's one of the best games on the Wii. I feel like... I've, were there multiple Zack and Wii nope. games? Okay, then, Just this then one. I've heard of it. Yep. But I, I don't think I've ever played it. It's got a really great art style that kind of reminds me of like Mega Man. Like the early like Mega Man Legends oh. games kind of a little bit. You even have like a little monkey guy. So you're playing as <laughs> Zack and Wiki. Wiki is your little monkey buddy. And Zack is this like pirate guy. You end up joining this pirate gang called the Sea Rabbits. And what you're doing is you're trying to help this Captain Barbaros find all the pieces to his body. So you're going through this area called Treasure Island and you're trying to pick up all these hmm. pieces. But you get the pieces by moving through the levels. And as you move through level by level, um, you use the, the Wiimote to do various different like actions, things like you have to like pull levers mm -hmm. or like pour liquids into things, turn keys, all different kinds of stuff. You could also shake the remote, and when you do that, it reacts like a bell, and that helps out Zach. Basically, you're you're ringing Wiki, the monkey, like a bell. Oh, yeah, which is pretty cool. Kind of helps you out with solving puzzles and and whatnot. But this game I really enjoyed and I got sucked into it, but then I just like lost steam because I got, it got to a point where like I was not playing with anybody at the time. Like I, I started playing it with friends and it was a lot of fun. And then I got to a point where I got stuck and nobody else was like around to help me with trying to figure out where to go. And this game is like one of those games that you could really play with friends. You you know, you get a bunch of your friends together, you sit down, you start playing this game, and you try to figure out what to do, where to go. You're not it's not like the traditional action platform or anything. It's an actual like puzzle game because you're trying to figure out well, you know, in order for me to advance, I've got to do this, this, and that. So it's kind of like a puzzle trying to put everything together. Huh. Almost like mousetrap in a way. Because, like, you're trying to make something react to what you're doing. But, yeah, this, this sounds like a pretty fun game, though. Yeah. Um, I have to, have to check it out at some point. I think you'd really dig it. Um, and it's got a fun, carefree plot. The whole point of this track is this track plays when you die. So if you lose... So this is the track you hear when you die. This is the track you hear when you die. So what <laughs> happens is there's this... I don't even know what you'd call her, like, or it. It comes down, it's got a big red nose. Mm-hmm really goofy clown nose and then like a floppy like doll wig on <laughs> and i don't know if it has makeup on or not or if she has me i don't i really don't know like what it is that you are doing but this character gives you the ability to get another life in the game huh. so you have to like buy your way back into the game based on items that you find, if I recall. So, it's been, like I said, it's been a really long time since I played this one. Like, I probably haven't played it since it came out. Hmm. 
You know, this one got rave reviews. Like, critics, this was like a critical darling for a game. And it came out and it got completely, like, nobody cared about it. Like, it, got, it just got completely ignored, That's unfortunately. Unfortunate. Yeah. And it is unfortunate because even though it was targeted as like a family friendly game, mm -hmm. it's got such a great, like, Japanese charm to it. And the word of mouth just didn't get it out as good as it could have. You know, I think right around that time, you know, Capcom had a lot of great success with the uh, Ace Attorney series. Oh, yeah. And yep. so they came out with this game, and it just didn't do that well for them, unfortunately, even though it critically was a smash. Yeah. It got it, tons of awards. Awards and honors, mm -hmm. yeah. So, yeah, I think that ultimately it it did sell okay, but I think it only sold about 300,000 copies worldwide. But cool game. Didn't sell well. Highly, highly, highly recommended that people go check out this game. It's a really fun little puzzle game that you can play with your friends and uh, really seriously sit down and, and play with your friends. Yeah. I, I, I cannot think of any other better way to do so. So that's our show. Thank you for listening. <laughs> so we'd like to take a moment to thank our Patreon patrons without whom this show's continued improvement would be impossible. They are Alex Messenger, Scott McElhone, Cam Worma, Chris Murray, Kung Fu Carlito of the Heroes 3 podcast, Jordan and Anson Davis, Chris Myers, Peter Panda, The Autistic Gamer 89, and Mixmaster. If you would like to become a patron, you can sign up at patreon.com slash xvgmradio. There you can see the different tiers as well. Just $1 gets you a thank you and access to our monthly live shows. You can visit our website, xvgmradio.com, where you can listen to all the episodes and learn more about your hosts, as well as any of our guests or composers that we've had on the show. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can always email us at xvgmradio at gmail.com. And if you'd like what you've heard, please consider giving us a rating on iTunes and a review. You can also join our Facebook group and chat with other VGM lovers at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash xvgmradio, where we talk about everything from current game news to sharing awesome VGM tracks, or just talking about the podcast itself. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle for both of those sites is at xvgmradio. If you don't have any other social media or just want to try something unique, check us out on our Discord group chat. Links will be in the show notes. So what do we got coming up next? So next up, we are interviewing somebody. That's right. It's a, it's an episode that ends in five. We're doing an interview. Yeah. We seem to be lucking out when it comes to composer interviews. Every episode that has a five in it, like five, 15, 25, We've been able to We're get have to line a whole bunch of people up for the 50s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we are interviewing the composer to Freedom Planet. Her name is Layla Wilson, or Leilani Wilson. She also goes by Wolfle, which is an adorable name. Yes, it is. <laughs> so I'm really excited to talk to her. I think she's going to give us a lot of insight on the Freedom Planet soundtrack. It's kind of like a, a love letter to Sonic. So this is another single game spotlight, but uh, I'm sure we'll hear a little bit about Freedom Planet 2, which is uh, rounding the corner, should be coming out soon. Oh, yeah. In the near future, so that'll be pretty cool. So very excited for that one. Stay tuned in two weeks. For Freedom Planet and Layla Wilson, this is Mike and Justin signing off for XVGM Radio. Uh, so we'll play a track no. called Cubert. No, no. Nope. <laughs> <laughs>
Whoops. Yeah. So we are interviewing uh, the composer to Fleet. F- yeah, Fleetum. <laughs> Fleetum. 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 